And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Tonight, this is the Bible Live. We've been reading through the books, uh, wonderful books of the Hebrew Scriptures, the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And we're going to get quickly, hopefully, right on into our discussion of these passages. Uh, This past week, on Monday, we read chapters 64 through 66, the final um, three chapters of the book of Isaiah. And then we went right on into the book of Jeremiah. And the rest of the week, we have read... Uh, up through chapter 13 of the book of Jeremiah. So that's kind of what we'll, in general, what we'll be discussing as we begin tonight. But you are, of course, welcome and invited and, and urged even, if you'd like to join us in discussing the Scriptures, this the, the, the Bible, the old book, and if you'd like to talk about uh, this passage from Isaiah and Jeremiah, this period of time, if you wanted to talk about the role of prophets, if you want to talk about well, anything biblical at all, the, uh, the message of the Scriptures, the uh, if you have a question or you have a comment about the Bible, that's what this program is about, is that book, the Bible, that has been such an incredible, had such an incredible impact on the world on world history and particularly over the last uh, few hundred years over western civilization uh, as we came out of the what the time of rome and the breaking up and the roman empire the into europe and the forming of the united european nations and so on all through those centuries uh, this book uh, in the mid in the mid 1500s gutenberg's press uh, and the bible began to be made uh, public and people uh, could have their own copies of the scriptures and read them and and uh, have, know the biblical 
history and the biblical stories and biblical messages. And uh, that book has guided Western civilization in so very, very many important ways. So we'll, we'll uh, talk, take your questions and your comments, anything you'd like to share about what we shared tonight together. Stacy, my daughter Stacy, is here with me. We've been, um, what would you say? Uh, I'm on a roll. We, <laughs> we've been discussing. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes rather heatedly, the uh, passages of Scripture, sometimes you're talking about the message of the Bible, what it is and uh, what it means to us. And uh, you're invited to join in that discussion as well. Stacy is here with me. And uh, give us a call, 210-340-9585. We'll give you the number throughout the program this evening, 210-340-9585. So... Why don't we take uh, first any lingering thoughts about Isaiah, Stace, and just kind of finish up that book. Uh, this a great prophet of God. He ministered and preached from seven. What was it? Six eighty to seven forty. Is that right? Seven forty to six eighty. The other way right, around. Right. Remember, we're getting smaller. <laughs> yeah, I right. forget BC. You're getting smaller. Seven forty BC to six eighty BC. Uh, the great prophet Isaiah preached, and we talked about him in depth over the last week as we moved through uh, the book of Isaiah, uh, his his ministry. So, um, and finally, he was killed. It is thought. Or tradition, uh, Hebrew or Jewish tradition says he was killed by Manasseh, uh, one of the, uh, one of the most wicked and evil of the kings of Judah, and uh, sawn in half. In fact, we, uh, I think it is thought that that is what the writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament was referring to Isaiah when he wrote about prophets being sawn in half. Uh, so he was uh, killed in that way. Do we he know was what faithful. Happened to uh, Manasseh? Do we know? Oh, he was. Uh, he reigned. He died. Uh, he. I believe he was. He. He was not buried in the field of the kings in honor. I don't believe. I, I'm. Okay. I'm just remembering off the top of my head, but. Um, yeah, maybe we can look up Manasseh in your Bible there, and, okay. or and see. I, I it, it'll if you Google that yeah. real quick, we can see how Manasseh died. It's there in uh, the book of Second Kings, toward the end. You'll see it talks about Manasseh. It'll tell how he died and um, and so on. Now, by the way, it's the interesting thing about Manasseh during his life. He did have a brief period, if I'm remembering quickly here, that when he he had a brief period of time when he experienced and some uh, 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 there was a sense of repentance mm. in him somehow or other um i mean, I I'm not remembering the specifics of it but there seemed to be a time uh it, it, and it kind of goes to what you were saying before the program the uh Stacy and I were talking about this period of let's say Isaiah Jeremiah you know the Amos Hosea the other some of the minor prophets were also active during these the lives of these two men. There were other prophets that were contemporaries of them. Uh, if you remember, even when we go now to talk about Jeremiah, uh, remember that uh, Jeremiah uh, is over in Israel preaching to the remnant that has been left in uh, Israel, while uh, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Ezekiel, they have been taken into bondage in Babylon and Babylon Babylonia 
And uh, Ezekiel is over there preaching it, it to the people in, in uh, Babylon, the, the people of Israel there in the Babylon, even as Jeremiah is preaching to the remnant that has been left in uh, Israel. So a uh, very interesting situation uh, that you know, we'll explore as we le- re- read on through now uh, the rest of the prophets. But uh, Isaiah, the, in his final uh, times, Isaiah... Um, some of you might want to answer some of these questions. There's some of these that are kind of interesting, actually. Um, Isaiah highlights, for one, uh, he uh, speaks of a of God, the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament. Isaiah speaks of him and uses familial relationship to um, to describe God to the people of Israel. And, and, of course, there are many names and titles given to God throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. Do you remember some of them? Yahweh, of course, Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah um, Rapha, the God, our healer, Jehovah, Jireh, uh, our provider, mm-hmm. um, our peace, uh, our banner. There are these names and titles that God given to God in the Hebrew Scriptures, and they're always meant to not to define God, but to describe and help us to understand some aspect of God's character uh, to his people and, and to humanity. So uh, we have many different titles, but nine times in the, in the Old Testament, God is said to have a certain familial relationship with his people, and three of those nine times uh, were in the book of Isaiah. God is said to be our what? All right. Uh, look in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah chapter 63, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. It says that God has a familial relationship with his people, and he is said to be, and I, I want to throw that question out there. God is is described uh, or said to have a familial relationship with his people, what is that relationship? Give me a call if you'd like to answer that. The reason for it is because uh, we sometimes assume that uh, that only got started in the New Testament. But uh, no, it, in the Hebrew Scriptures, there is also that relationship is described. It was Jesus himself, the Messiah himself, who made it... Um, more generally known and and used, uh, so God is described as being our what? <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Two uh, two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. Oh, there's so many times we we talked about the number of times. How many times did we say there? Eighty five. I believe. Mm-hmm. Eighty five times the book of Isaiah is cited or quoted. Some of those multiple. Uh, sightings of the same verse and passage 61 i think independent different uh, independent verses are quoted or cited in the in the new testament uh 61 times and so uh i the the new testament writers each of them were steeped and including jesus himself the messiah uh, they were they were steeped in in knowledge and understanding of the hebrew scriptures uh it, when you squeezed them out, out came the scriptures uh, that's what happened in Jesus' life and, of course, in the disciples and the apostles that came after him. Um, finally, one great principle that Isaiah brings out is uh, it kind of goes counter to our culture today. Our society today in America, uh, our 
increasingly secular, secular society urges people, children, you know, we must teach our children and so on in school, uh, teaching urges us to be assertive, to, to affirm ourselves, to, to build our self-esteem. While in the scriptures, God says he will bless those who have what kind of a heart? If you want to look in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, and of course many other places in the scriptures, but uh, Isaiah 66, 2 is one. Uh, God says that he will bless those who have what kind of heart? Uh, if you'd like to answer either of those questions, give us a call, 210-340-9585. And then we get into the book of Jeremiah. What do you know about Jeremiah? You said you kind of liked him and Isaiah. I do. Well, uh, Jeremiah, just because he cries a lot. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's the, so the melancholy, weeping. the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. Well, I do, and I do think that there's something very um, healthy, you know, about just a good old, you know, lamentations mm-hmm. and lament. Mm-hmm. And um, he's it, it. It was tragic. I mean, it was very sad what was happening, and I think it's good and right to acknowledge mm-hmm. that. That ending, that sadness, that brokenness, and but his weeping Jeremiah didn't begin. His weeping didn't begin with the destruction of Jerusalem. He he was, he was weeping decades before, trying, Preparing calling upon the people, <laughs> repent, turn back right. to God, trust yeah. God, obey God. Uh, well, essentially, think, he was calling them to a political, to make a political decision. You know, did you realize that? Well, mm. <laughs> gotcha. No. Uh, he was telling them give in that, to mm-hmm. give in to Babylon, give in to Nebuchadnezzar, yield to Nebuchadnezzar. On you know, give in to your take your punishment, take your uh, the this has happened. Don't fight against him. Don't rebel against him. Give in to him, and and you won't be destroyed. And and they wouldn't do it. And he could tell that they were going to finally. That was the political. Obviously, his call to revival was trust God, obey God, put your faith in God. But the way they were to show that faith and trust and obedience to God was to give in to Babylon's rule over them. Give in to Nebuchadnezzar. Don't fight against him. But they kept rebelling. They kept killing his representatives and people he put in charge. And and finally, Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed them uh, as Jeremiah knew and thought thought and knew that he would. So it, it, that, it, we, that's one of the things Stacy and I were talking about, folks. Is that uh, it, I was kind of giving her a little bit of a rundown on what did I do with that sheet I had on revivals in America. You know, we uh, I wanted you to see this time of Isaiah and Jeremiah to understand that. This is not some kind of a weird, unique time with people we and we can't even understand. These kinds of things happen in time and in space. They're, they're, they happen, they're part of history. And um, the same kind of history we are living, you know, and I, and I went back and reviewed, I was reviewing the history of great spiritual awakenings and revivals in America. Uh, dating back to the you know the early 1700s, 1734, 1743 in that era. Remember, the, you've heard of John, uh, John, Jonathan Edwards. You've heard of George Whitfield. We could bring up a lot more names. Um, 
Eighty percent of the 90,000 90, colonists heard in America at that time. There were 90,000 inhabitants uh, who had come from Europe to colonize North America. Eighty percent of them heard Jonathan Edwards preach. 80, can you imagine? That? And it, this led to a tremendous gather, in-gathering uh, in that particular era, a great time of revival that was marked. Now, and then you come to around 50 or 60 years later, uh, in the early 1800s, you had uh, James McGreedy, Charles Finney. Uh, you had another great movement of God across the nation, uh, across the land. Uh, th- these times, uh, what they call times of revival, the Great American Revival, the Great American Awakening, some of these names they give them. But they're times of ingathering, of expansion, when the people, uh, when God's people humbled themselves, they were broken, and they they sought God, they cried out to the Lord, and there was this time of ingathering. Some of this some of this happened as a result of influence from Europe. Uh, you know the great the Welsh revivals that came later on in the early 1900s was a part of that. But then uh, 1857 58, you had the businessman's revival that broke out of uh, the Northeast uh, environment. Uh, 1861. Uh, the Civil War began, and of course, there was a great spiritual awakening that came out of the sp- Civil War. 620,000, over 600,000 Amer- American men uh, were killed in the Civil War, um, North and South. Uh, as the nation moved to correct the great injustice, the great evil of slavery. Uh, no, there were other, it was more complex than that. Yeah, there were. Uh, economic issues and, uh, you know, control issues and so on. But essentially, the nation was correcting uh, the great era of slavery. And over 600,000 had to die as we made that sacrifice to change the course of the nation about this essential issue. Uh, I I was thinking about that. Uh, A lot of people today are so afraid of changing the issue of abortion because you know those who put abortion in place, they say, "Oh no, you can't go against you can't go against judicial uh, precedent." You know the Supreme Court has already spoken to that, and once it's spoken, it's done. You can't ever change it. We wouldn't say the same thing about slavery, would we? We're so glad, we're so happy, we celebrate that our nation had the courage and the the spiritual depth to to correct that wrong, and we need to do the same thing with some of the other. Uh, like abortion, some of the other great evils that might be as part of our uh, nation. But um, 1861-65, that great revival began among the Confederate troops, believe it or not. That's where the uh, a great spiritual uh, longing began to erupt in the Confederate troops, and it spread to the, uh, to the uh, Union troops as well. A great awakening came out of the Civil War experience. Then there was um, the urban revivals from Chicago. If I remember, that was a, a, a Moody. Dwight Moody came after that uh, in the 1875-1885 era. And then at the beginning of the 19th, uh, uh, of the 20th century, 1905 to 1906, there was the Welsh revivals in Europe that came over across uh, and influenced America. Great revivalists such as Billy Sunday, uh, that you may have heard his name back in the early 1900s, uh, 100 years ago. Billy Sunday 
And then there were some smaller, what they call Azusa Street revivals. If you've ever studied uh, revivals, uh, American revivals, the history of a, a revival, spiritual awakening in America, it's a very, very interesting study. It's not about people, and this is the thing that Stacy wanted to make clear to me. It's not, it's not about where well, you just... You know, you just put the right people up there and you get the right people in charge and you get this to happen and that to happen and you set up prayer meetings and everything. It's not it, it, it's not human effort, uh, but, it, of course, it involves humans. It, it involves us getting our hearts right with God. And often he would use the least likely of people um, in, in so many occasions. Just like you're seeing, and the reason I'm bringing this up is that I want you to understand that this still happens today. God is still acting and moving and speaking to his people and through his people across the world today. And so when we read Isaiah and Jeremiah, just understand this in its context. God is moving. God is acting. God is speaking. God is influencing. And people are responding. And God uses them as he used the young child king Josiah. Uh, in his time, that uh, he was used by God. His his great great grandfather was uh, Hezekiah, who also was a godly man who had a time of revival and awakening in his time. But then his sons were not. They both moved away from God and disobeyed God in, in dramatic ways. And then you come up with a young eight-year-old boy that's put on the throne and he turns out as a teenager to read the scriptures and he leads the people to read and to return to try to to obey God's word in the scriptures and it brings about a time of spiritual revival. A time of spiritual revival awaking never never gets a hundred percent. In fact it's still quite often a, a minority of the people but the minority is active and godly and and obedient and to God and wh- what a minority can accomplish is they uh, they themselves just get their individual lives back in order back in line with God's will uh, for our lives and so the same thing uh, God could it, we are due uh, a revival we haven't really seen uh, a broad broad society wide movement of God's spirit since probably the mid, the mid you know 1950s 1960s uh coming out of the post world war 2 awakening uh you had leaders rise up such as bill bright with campus crusade for christ dr billy graham uh who preached to 180 million people uh, in 400 crusades throughout his uh, long career uh so we 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 saw some some movement from god's people coming back but then we've we've uh, over these years now, there's been a dryness and a turning away from God and a, and a an increasing secularization, a denial of God and a denial of uh, obeying God, and, and uh, we see some dramatic ways across our nation. Uh, many of our uh, the policies, many of the practices of our culture, have become um, immoral and harmful and destructive, and and, uh, and unjust. Uh, using the phrasing of today. So uh, we, we could dear call out to cry out to God, each of us individually, and, and begin to live uh, the faith and live uh, live the gospel as well as sharing the, the gospel is, itself. Well, there, there you have it, the Isaiah, Jeremiah. I wanted to give it a little bit of a kind of a human context so you can understand that uh, these Isaiah, Jeremiah, the people who lived during their era, 
They dealt with political problems. They were dealing with social problems. Uh, One of the problems that Isaiah uh, saw that they had was even in the middle of terrible social deterioration and and failure um, and and injustice and and unrighteousness and immorality, there was to some degree uh, prosperity. And it was one of the things that Jeremiah had to fight against because the people thought, well, as long as we're prosperous and happy and protected, they had a false sense of security. Although Jeremiah, Isaiah and Jeremiah kept telling them over and over again, God is going to judge. God is going to judge. And finally, in Jeremiah's case, uh, in fact, that's one of the dramatic things of, of Jeremiah uh, in the first. Uh, we're going to discuss the first chapters, opening chapters of Jeremiah is that um, it finally, at some point, there is a time when God tells Jeremiah that Judah's sin has become so terrible that he, he, he even told Jeremiah, don't even bother praying for them anymore. Uh, we, you know, we always, always think a prayer is the answer. And in, in this case, it got so low and so they were so rebellious that God told his prophet, don't even bother praying for them anymore. Isn't that I mean, that, that's pretty dramatic to me, it seems like. When God says, turn out the lights, the party's over, stick a fork in them, it's done. There's not even, don't pray anymore. It's, it's done. They're going to be judged. They're going to be held accountable. I'm going to do this uh, in them. So anyway, that's, um, that's the setting of Isaiah and Jeremiah. I just wanted to bring it back, if I could, and give it a little bit more of a human Understanding, not just something that happened centuries ago and we don't even understand it. We can't possibly understand the dynamic of what was going on. Yeah, we do. Uh, there were real people. There were real leaders. There were real politics going on. There were real threats. We Today we have China. We have Iran. We have a plague. We have the coronavirus. We have these things. That's the kind of environment. Uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah, they moved with real people, real times, and real dangers. Uh, and, and real situations. So uh, I don't know. I've kind of gone on a little too long with this, Stacey. But anything you would add to when we think about Isaiah, Jeremiah, the prophets of God and what they're trying to sure. preach to the people as they move toward judgment, mm-hmm. destruction? Well, um, I guess a couple things real quickly, though. Um, Manasseh, and you might have already said this, but was Isaiah's um, grandson, maternal grandson. So Not I, Isaiah's. I, yeah. You're talking was, about Hezekiah's. Uh, Manasseh was, yeah, no, Isaiah was Manasseh's grandfather. Maternal. Yes. Oh, my lens. Yes, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, interesting. And so, um, and then what I know also. That Hezekiah was the Well, king. Hezekiah was Manasseh's father. Okay. All right. So, Yeah. Um, but so interesting. Maternal um, gra- grandfather. Yes. And wow. then. Um, but what you said about the economy. Let's come back for it, yeah. okay? Okay, economy. Stacey's going to follow up on the comments about the economy and the, and the world situation when it comes to these revivals, these great movements of God. Hi, Franklin. We'll be we'll back, back in just you. a little bit. More from the Bible Live. Don't go away.
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Today's reading titled, How Did I Get Here?, was written by Mike Whitmer. Tiffany awoke in the pitch-black darkness of an Air Canada jet. Still wearing her seatbelt, she'd slept while the other passengers exited and the plane parked. Why didn't anyone wake her? How did she get here? She shook the cobwebs from her brain and tried to remember. Have you found yourself in a place you never expected? You're too young to have this disease, and there's no cure. Your last review was excellent. Why is your position being eliminated? You are enjoying the best years of your marriage. Now you're starting over as a single parent with a part-time job. How did I get here? Jove may have wondered as he sat among the ashes. He'd lost his children, his wealth, and his health in no time flat. He couldn't have guessed how he got here. He just knew he had to remember. Job remembered his Creator and how good he'd been. He told his wife, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Job remembered he could count on this good God to be faithful. So he lamented. He screamed at the heavens, and he mourned and hoped. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in my flesh I will see God. Job clung to hope as he remembered how the story began and how it ends. You'll find more helpful tools and resources when you download the Our Daily Bread mobile app. Go to getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. All human life has intrinsic value, including life in the womb. That's why Focus on the Family is standing up to help the world see life. Join the movement to end abortion and love every heartbeat. Text HEARTBEAT to 72000. That's HEARTBEAT to 72000. And mark your calendars for September 26th to witness a transformational pro-life event we're calling Sea Life 2020. Learn more at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Sea Life. I'm Jonathan McKee, and you're listening to Plugged In. There hasn't been a new Grace Davis record in a decade, and the fans want one. In the movie The High Note, now available to rent or own, we meet Grace Davis, a 40-something pop star who longs to reach the top of the charts one last time. Her management team thinks her future lies in Las Vegas, but her earnest assistant named Maggie believes otherwise. She's convinced that Grace still has a number one hit in her. The high note is full of feel-good moments as Grace and Maggie's friendship gradually grows. But profanity, suggestive innuendo, and rock star excesses mean there are quite a few low notes, too. So we're giving The High Note a 2 out of 5 for family friendliness. Read the full review at PluggedIn.com radio. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Jonathan McKee for Focus on the Family's Plugged In. 
Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, do remember me. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, oh, do remember me. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, do remember me. Way beyond the blue. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Outshines the sun way beyond the blue. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, do remember me. We are back. Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, oh, do. All right, this is The Bible Live. Stacy's here with me. We're here taking your phone call, talking about the role of prophets. We're talking about uh, Isaiah. We're talking about Jeremiah. The role of the prophets is they prepare and call the people of God to obey God, trust God. And particularly in the case of Jeremiah, he's calling upon them. It's, it has a political application to o- obey God, accept the punishment from God, to accept the rule of Nebuchadnezzar and to not battle against him. Uh, might possibly, it wasn't because Nebuchadnezzar was such a great, good wonderful, godly person. I don't know the reasons. I suspect it had to do with causing uh, not millions of people of Israel, millions of Jews to be killed, slaughtered by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar. But um, that could have all been a part of it. This is the lesser of evils. But he called upon them to accept their judgment from God and to yield. Uh, And they did not do that. And, of course, Nebuchadnezzar's troops came in 586 B.C. and destroyed Jerusalem, a slaughter of uh, millions of of, um, Jewish people lost their lives in that horrible time, uh, in that horrible period. So we're talking about the the role, Isaiah, and now as we move to Jeremiah, we're getting even closer to the time of of judgment that that, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah had been warning them about. Let's go to our phone lines, though. We've got a caller. Franklin is calling in from here in the city, I believe. Hi, Franklin. How are you tonight? Ah, uh, you fabulous Sophie Dollar and your beautiful daughter. I hope oh, God's blessings are showering upon you tonight. Thank you, Thank you Franklin. He really is. And Stacy and I are having a, we've been having a good time discussing this. It's it's generational, you know. She's the uh, yeah the next generation. It's a male female. It's a you know, woman male. You know, man. Well, God so bless you for. Passing it on. Oh, yeah. That's what you to, got to do. We have to do that. We need some good discussions going on. What, what, what has captured your mind? We're talking about the role okay. of the prophets in, in a very terrible, difficult time in the history of Israel. And uh, But it's it's times in which, like we all live, uh, in some ways in Jeremiah's time, it was to some degree comfortable. They, they uh, One of the problems that he had is he couldn't get them to see the urgency of, of of his message, what they should do, because they said, hey, everything's good. We've got the temple here with us in the, Jerusalem. Nothing's going to happen to us. 
and um, they thought of themselves as a stew protected within the pot, <laughs> which I guess you could see that several ways. I'm not sure that's so protected. But anyway, uh, those are images that come out of the text itself. Uh, what do you think, Franklin? Uh, what have you been well, doing and what was on your mind? Okay. Uh, I originally called to, to answer your question, which would be our Father or Abba, exactly the right. name of God. But uh, uh, it's something that you said several names of God, but there's one that's never mentioned or hardly ever mentioned. It first appears in 17 Genesis, uh-huh. and God is referred to as El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Shaddai. And nobody really knows what it means, but I think the best interpretation is God, El, is the sufficient one. Mm-hmm. Now, in Isaiah 13.6 and Joel 1.15, uh, Shaddad is used, and that means to destroy. It also uh, is comparable to strength. Uh, the Arabic uh, Shaddad means strong. Uh, that would be uh, God Almighty or uh, God the All-Powerful. Hmm, that's what I've heard. That's the, that's the expression that... Uh that I have heard, but yeah, but I like uh, I like the 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 rabbinic uh, the midrash that divides the word into sha da'i, uh-huh. which means it is enough or sufficient. Mm-hmm. That would be God L is the sufficient one. He's sufficient to all our needs, mm-hmm. and everything that we have and everything that we are comes from Him. Mm-hmm. He is enough. <laughs> He's all indeed, but. Too often we only discover he's all we need when he's all we have. <laughs> it, it takes us. Well, that's not so bad because really, when you get down to it, throughout our lives, he is all we have. Yeah, in reality, he always is all we have. But we somehow think that since we've got our jobs and our economy, or our this, or our that, well, we get or our second home, or caught up in all the day to days and and the uh, the soap opera of family life and. Mm-hmm. everything else, and, and, and we forget to take the time. Uh, one day a week is not too much. That's and God said, that. rest on that day and, and think about me. Yeah. Now, do something pleasant, be with your family, think about me. Take a day of rest. And your animals and your slaves and everybody else, too. Give them a day off. That's so crucial. You know, sometimes people don't understand uh, I say people. It's not like I'm some kind of a superior mind here, but I'm just saying one of the, I think one of the reasons we have the Sabbath was ordained of God is there needs to be a time when we take off from earthly uh, functions and earthly pursuits and realize that life is not simply about earthly matters, that, that we have to realize mm-hmm. that, that that there's more to life than just what happens uh, eight to five in our job and our paycheck and our health and our this and our toys and so on. And that yeah. we need a day when we really take a part in the side and think about and, deeper, deeper matters and, of, of reality, of truth, of relationships. I, I, you're exactly and, right. And, it, it's and, and think about it and think about it too. God wanted us to have a day of rest so that we have a taste of paradise and heaven to come when we shall rest in his arms and in his house forever. 
I love that word rest. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus. Rest. Our Sabbath. Absolutely. Our Sabbath, right? Thank you, Frank. Yeah. Those are great reminders for us. And I, I'll tell Amy Grant you liked her song, El Shaddai, all right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Thank you very much. You betcha, my friend. God, God, God bless, bless you. you. And God bless you, uh, daughter of, of, of Soapy. Thank you. <laughs> Stacy, daughter, right, daughter of Soapy. Soapy. There you go. <laughs> Thank Bye. you, Franklin. Thank you. We're so good to hear from you. Well, that that. He's so encouraging always. Yeah. That's great. But El Shaddai, sufficient one. Yeah, it says, or it looks like the El Shaddai was used um, most often in the book of Job, which I thought that was really wow. interesting. Wow. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> that's that's all interesting in and of itself. All, uh, in terms of the meaning of it, all powerful and all sufficient. You don't think of Job as being in a position where he feels... Um, uh, taken care of, uh, but in a way, that's exactly what he was. He's all I need. He's all, he <laughs> but he got reduced to he's all he had, <laughs> too, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. you can give us a call as well, just as Franklin did, 210-340-9585. Tell me, when you think about the prophet Jeremiah, Stacy, I, I, in our discussions earlier, you said Isaiah and Jeremiah, they're some of my favorites. And What is it yeah. that makes you uh, partial toward these two prophets? Well, I guess, um, so, well, some of it is just the writing. I think that they are very beautiful mm-hmm. writers. True. Um, and then their humility, just, and Isaiah, I guess his faithfulness, Jeremiah just does, and not, I don't mean to necessarily confuse, uh, maybe I should say his contriteness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to confuse sort of a melancholy with being hum- humble, but, um, it is he seemed to to be kind of a contrite humble person not necessarily w- even eager and willing at first feeling inadequate and too young and um yeah that's right but he, going ahead that's and, what he uh, his mm-hmm. original when god called him to ministry in the opening uh chapters of jeremiah god calls him to ministry and he says i can't do it i'm too young <laughs> I, I tend to like that i tend to go with that personality <laughs> yeah. the one that doesn't i mean not 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 to um but i i can relate with that yeah, feeling yeah, i'm sure mm-hmm. we, many of us can and um yeah i i think now you know when i read it though i i um I do tend to I, I tend to read it more from what their own personal journey with their relationship with God, um, not necessarily. And yes, how they interact with the world around them and what is happening matters. And I think that's interesting, of course. But I uh, in terms of application or what I get from it, I, I see Jeremiah as very much all, you know, kind of all of us and trying to navigate God's message to us, God's message to other people. What is my responsibility to speak up? What is my responsibility to not? How much is this on me versus how much is this God's sovereignty? How much is, and all of those kind of questions that had to have been going through, I would think, Jeremiah's mind. I mean, a part of me at at some point would, would, you know, if I was Jeremiah, be tempted to... Uh, like, well, if, if this is going to happen anyway, God, why, why am I here? Why don't you just, mm-hmm. you do it. And ultimately God does do it. And, you know, so it's not necessarily, I don't think about what the 
is going to happen. It is all about what God is actually doing in Jeremiah's life. It, it might be interesting in that context to, to read uh, what Jeremiah says. He said, the, in August of that 11th year, the people of Jew- Jerusalem were taken away as captives. Uh, uh, the Lord's messenger continued through the reign of King Jehoiakim, Josiah's son, until the 11th year in the reign of King Zedekiah, another of Josiah's sons. In August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. In, in year 13 of Josiah's reign, uh, Jeremiah he says, The Lord gave me this message. God told Jeremiah. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he heard an audible voice or if he, but God says, I knew you before I formed you in, the, in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms, Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he sees his first vision, a vision of an olive tree, a branch from an olive tree. And and, um, that's his first vision. The next vision is a, a pot of boiling water pouring down upon Judah from the north. Now this olive tree, uh, this uh, almond tree, uh, it is thought is re- reference to in the in the time of spring, the almond tree is the first to bloom. It's the first to bear fruit, and so is it, it. So he says to him, "This almond tree is a sign that it means I am watching, and I will certainly carry out my plans." In other words, when you see the almond tree bloom. Uh, you know that spring is coming and the time of harvest is, is approaching, the time of growing. Uh, and so uh, just as it was, a, it was a message of certainty, uh, I'm confirming my me- that this is going to happen. And then the pot of boiling water, uh, meaning that out of the north will boil out of people uh, over this land and they will come to Jerusalem and destroy this city, this land, Jud- bring judgment to Judah. So... Uh, right away, then, Jeremiah has to start giving a message that is very unpopular. He's going against the grain. Uh, 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 he, is off, he was accused of in his time of being unpatriotic uh, because he was actually saying we need to yield. We need to you know, yield to Nebuchadnezzar, to the Babylonians. Uh, Real quick, so when, when you, uh, if you don't mind, set no. the scene, what would, would this have been just Jeremiah on a on a street corner? Would this have been Jeremiah in the temple? Would this have been where where on what pl- on what platform did Jeremiah? He preached have? on the street corners. He preached from okay. the temple. Okay. He preached actually. He was given audience with the king himself, with Zedekiah. Okay. Uh, so he was often he spoke to kings to, in their presence. He was respected enough to have a platform yeah, and yeah. an audience. And each that, each of these king, each of these prophets that we have in the scriptures, enjoyed a recognition that they were. Uh, that's why we have their books in the Bible. They, there was a, a recognition that these were prophets of God in their time. And they're, they're not the only ones, necessarily, but these are the ones whose writings, whose messages reach to us. Um, uh, 
he was Jeremiah spoke to many different audiences. Um, Baruch was his uh, man named Baruch was his assistant. He delivered the messages written. Uh, one of them uh, he he read them to the king, and as he finished the page reading his message, the king would tear it up and throw it in the fire. So I mean they were disrespected. At one time Jeremiah was, uh, and we'll see this when we continue our way through the book. He is uh, he is a, a ta- attacked. There are plots against his life. He is put lower down into a cistern, into a well to die, mm-hmm. uh, and delivered from that. So that there is, um, he he was had to be courageous. He had to confront the culture, the society. He had to confront them about their uh, spiritual compromise. They were uh, they were sacrificing killing their children right so so in terms of the i mean the the responsibility though of the people as far as not any extra extra laws but where i mean the ten commandments at this point the the torah is their so is their guide is the word is that so if jeremiah were to you know we're saying you are being disobedient you are did it uh, at the heart of it, it was you are disobeying the Torah, mm-hmm. and they would have had no. There's no uh, um, confusion. <laughs> there's nothing nebulous about that, right? That that's very concrete. Mm-hmm. And so they were they were worshiping false gods. Right. The uh, queen, and even it, there, it, even whenever yeah. they got into Egypt, uh, Jeremiah kept preaching to the people and, and the women. Powerful women, uh, 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 who some of them were powerful. They had influence uh, even at the palace level, mm-hmm. and they said, "You know, Jeremiah, go jump in the lake. We're going to worship the Queen of Heaven mm-hmm. if we want to, and you're not going to do anything about it." I mean, they were very obstinate, and they said, "And our men, you you think our men didn't know when we were doing that, worshiping the Queen of Heaven? Yeah, and and they were sacrificing their own children, burning their own children." Uh, to these false gods. That was something that was taking place. You can read about it in chapter 7. Uh, the, the valley of the son of Himnon was right outside of Jerusalem. You've been there, right? Mm-hmm. You've seen the valley of the... Mm-hmm. I've not been to Jerusalem. You have. Uh, there is this valley that was used as a city garbage dump, but that became the place where they offered sacrifices of children to okay. the God, uh, God Mola. And so all of these things were part of the society, part of the culture. It was the going thing. Right. And, and, and Jeremiah had to confront it, and he was hated because of right. it. But the authority on which he spoke was the Torah. No, God's law, was God's word. saying mm-hmm. you are breaking specifically this. Right, exactly. This. Yeah. Okay, so there would have been... I That, that definitely is a, you know, rings more... Um, it makes more sense, I guess, than, you know, for Jeremiah to say, you know, you need to yield to Babylon or you need to, that's not, that. that's a more difficult one for me <laughs> in terms of, I don't know that I necessarily would have, you know, uh, oh, yeah, trusted that, Jeremiah's word. I see what you're saying. Now, that, that wasn't, it, it wasn't, that wasn't the primary issue, but that was right. one of the, that was his guidance. He's, right. he's saying that the, these are part of the Torah, part of God's laws. Turn back to God. But God has guided me, God has instructed me, told that you are to do this. You are to obey uh, and to yield to Babylon. Do you think Jeremiah would have had, well, what, okay, okay. 
more. It, it's like, uh, I don't know, let's say someone says, okay, China holds a huge amount of American debt right now. Uh, we're basically, in some ways, some people might say, uh, China owns us. It owns a lot of, uh, as I understand it. I'm not super privy to this, but uh, you know, about at that level. Right. But it could be that some, uh, as it comes about at some point, it becomes an issue of how we're going to relate. Are we going to go have a nuclear war? Are we going to go to war with China? Are we going to do this? Or are we going to, you know, take our medicine and, and you know, it could be something like that, the dynamic of it. Uh, and you can imagine it would become uh, heated and and so on, right. but that but and that's good because that's giving. I, I, I'm, I think we're helping to see the environment in which these men and these prophets lived was not some ivory palace somewhere all far off. They they were in the mix that it was there was a real society, a real cultural uh, a culture in denial, rejecting their God, rejecting their legacy, their heritage their own history of faith and of God's There's covenant with them mm-hmm. and and he's calling them to acknowledge it and to uh to obey God's word uh and God's leadership trusting in God El Shaddai <laughs> not not in uh their own you know uh, political alliances that they would form and that sort of thing but here is God's instructions so you you get a little bit of the sense of the of the times they they were they were they were difficult they were not uh, um, easy, and yet Jeremiah had a clear message from God. He he was to be faithful, and he and he was. That's that's the amazing thing about both Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of these prophets, really, uh, that I find so admirable is that they courageously did what they did. Now I don't know the level to which they had influence. You know, um, I know that he had an audience with the king. Uh, the king openly uh, ridiculed him and tore up his messages. I know he was attacked. And he, he there were plots out uh, to take his life. There were some people in the culture in the society that respected him, and they saved him from being killed, uh, and delivered him from those plots. Uh, but this was a very um, difficult time, and I, and I think there is some way that we can. Our own nation. We we have a godly heritage, a godly, uh, a, a spiritual heritage as a nation. We were birthed out of spiritual awakening, out of a seeking for uh, spiritual freedom to worship God. We've seen, and that's why I went through all that long list of revivals that uh, in, in North America, what they call upsurges of uh, religious fervor and and uh, uh, repentance and brokenness and. Uh, sometimes and, and then all of those times had they had uh, profound cultural societal influence over the land over the morality of the land and so on um and, and i think that we i do believe that we are in one of those times right now we have been for the last 50 years the 50 or 60 70 years the forces of secularism uh theological liberalism um have have taken and uh, and so a lot of people, uh, many people are just outright confused and lost uh, in, a, in a world looking for fulfillment only from the things of this world. Uh, and and uh, others are chasing after false gods knowingly and, and, um, and knowingly breaking laws and rules that we know that were part of our early heritage, uh, biblical heritage. And, and so, yeah, I think that we're not in 
you know, God is still moving. God is still acting. God is still speaking. And I think that we can still pray for our land, for our nation. But it, it's about, it is a little bit of a different dynamic. And that's why I've always said, what if Isaiah and Jeremiah uh, or Jesus or the Apostle Paul or any of them, what if they lived and moved and ministered in the context of a representative republic? Who every two to four years they elected, they actually vote, went into a booth and voted, uh, pulled a lever and voted for their leaders. Um, now, these people in these times, there was a certain amount of election. They, they, you know, they could rebel and they could make things so hard for a king that uh, an assassination would take place. And in other words, they, there was some influence. These were not just always just tyrants. Um, sometimes they were, but but here, we, what if we lived? What would what would Jesus? What would a great prophet of God say today mm-hmm. in America? If you had oh. the president's ear, if you had the people's, uh, if, if you came on Fox TV or CNN or some of the other, what would what would a prophet of God say to our nation? Not more interested, but, but the role of the Holy Spirit, and uh, you know, we uh, so different changes shifting. But that to me is a little bit more of a of an interesting something I can grab hold of. Is I mean, we we now function with the Holy Spirit, and uh, you know, interesting. Whereas before with Jeremiah. All right, that, we'll talk about it further. What you have that figured out and solved by the time we come it. back. All right. <laughs> Let the crowd shake as our voices we raise and our shouts of joy ring out. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We as people sing. Oh, shouts for joy, all the earth as we All right, we are back. Our final segment. Uh, this time has really flown by. I hope we've touched the points we needed to touch and uh, asked the questions we needed to ask and maybe uh, spurred you to give us a call, 210-340-9585. Maybe you have a thought about these times. We're, we're trying to to help the Bible come alive here on the Bible Live broadcast and so that we can begin to understand the experiences of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, these prophets of God in the in their time and in their context, uh, as they preached to the people, uh, and as they called upon the people to obey God and to obey God's laws uh, and to trust God, um, it, it was a real dynamic, a real social dynamic to it, and we see that in the life of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. We see his suffering. We see his passion. We see his despair, his crying for the people. Uh, we we see uh, and understand there were there were a tremendous amount of issues. Some of them were moral. Uh, don't worship uh, false gods. Don't kill innocent children, uh, uh, sacrificing them, uh, and so on. And there were other, many many other specific. Uh, laws of God that were being broken, and there was a direction of God to to to, to trust in God. Don't trust in secular or p- 
political alliances and uh, finance, economic solutions to everything, but uh, ultimately our trust is in God himself. Those are some of the dynamics that Isaiah and Jeremiah had to deal with in their time uh, in preaching to the people. And, of course, we see in this particular case, we see a great failure. The, the people did not respond. It doesn't mean 100%. I'm sure there were some godly, good men and women, uh, humble, hardworking people who who knew what was right and, and got caught up in this and and uh, suffered some of the consequences of this. Uh, but there were there were many who did not. There were many who directly opposed the prophet. They directly opposed the policies that he espoused, that he encouraged them to embrace. And uh, they definitely moved on to the judgment that God had been warning them about for, for many, many decades. So uh, we're trying to understand is, uh, does God still speak to nations today? Does God still uh, speak to America? Does God, how would he let, how would he bring about spiritual awakening and revival and renewal to our land? What would we look for? What would we pray for? What would, what would we do individually to be a part of, of such a movement of God? Uh, is it already too late? I, I hear some of our uh, preachers, some of our nationally known evangelists and, and others uh, talk about the fact that God is already, I, I, I think that is true, God is already judging our nation. We are already experiencing many of the consequences of of uh, some of our godless ways. There's no doubt about that with crime and, and chaos and disruption and that's been going on for decades, actually. Uh, but where is it headed? Uh, are, are we in any sense closer to... Uh, we Every passing day brings us closer to whatever's going to happen. Uh, are we like Jeremiah? Are we living in the final decades of something that God is uh, moving the world toward that with the idea of China, Iran, other national interests and in, in other national and international influences and so on. What What is going on? What is God doing in our times? And uh, what, what do you think is happening? I'd love to hear from any of you. If you'd like to give us a call, I know many of you are serious believers. You are praying, you're thinking, you're trying to understand God in his ways. For you, your family, your our city, our community, our state, our nation, maybe you have a thought about that. What would God be telling us and leading us, uh, even in this time? What principles are, could we learn from the the Isaiah and Jeremiah? In this in this particular case, looking back now, we get to analyze their situation, their their experiences, and maybe we can come up with some thoughts about. How we should proceed. How then shall we live in these in these times? 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. If you'd like to give a call, we'd love to hear from you and hear what you have to say. All right. Now, Stacy, we were going to come back to you in this final segment, and, and you're uh, representing younger generation, a younger time, a younger look at the scriptures uh, uh, out of this era, this time? Um, well, I, oh. I, I, <laughs> Am I putting well, a, a terrible burden on you? I don't mean to. No, uh, well, I, I think what stands, what, what to me would, would stand is, is the who to, who to trust. I'm sure that 
in terms of the people of the time of Jeremiah's time, um, there were probably well, there might have been a few less voices. Just uh, we do have a lot of voices coming at us today, but um, you know, who I'm sure there were still opposing voices. Uh, oh yeah, let me read you one. Uh, mm-hmm. Chapter six, verse fourteen mm-hmm. says. Um, uh, Jeremiah is speaking he says uh, I will pour my fury on children playing in the streets and on gatherings of young men or husbands and their wives uh, and on those who are old and gray their homes will be turned over to their enemies as will their fields and their wives for I will raise my powerful fist against the people of this land says the Lord from the least to the greatest their lives are ruled by greed from prophets to priests, they're all frauds. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. They, they are, are they ashamed of their disgusting actions? Not at all. They, they even, don't even know how to blush. Therefore, they will lie among the slaughtered. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. So there, he talks about false prophets, false messages that were, that were directly contradicting uh, Jeremiah's message. Jeremiah's message was a boiling pot of water pouring pouring down on them. Uh, And they said, oh, we're safe. We're going to be safe because we have the temple in our city. Uh, We're we're going to be perfectly fine. Uh, Look in chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. They thought that God would spare them because of the the presence of the temple in Jerusalem. That's what the false teachers would say. No, the temple's here. We're safe because God's temple is here in the city. So they appealed to kind of religiosity. And, you know, mm-hmm. some people, oh, no, we're while America. We've been based time, on... Though, yeah. While at the same time, though, clearly um, going against the Torah, I mean, the the law, mm-hmm. I guess that would have been, I mean, if I were Jeremiah... <laughs> In chapter 8, verse 11... That would have been... He speaks to the false prophets. He says, uh, let me find that here real quick. Uh, they offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of these disgusting actions? No, they, they don't even know how to blush. That sounds like the other message, right? I guess the same sermon, just a little different notes there. But they promised peace when God was sending war uh, and, and upheaval. And so, yeah, there were other messages. People had a choice. They could hear the message, you know, the queen of the heavens. They could hear the god of Moloch, prophets and priests of Moloch. They could listen to others. Uh, yeah, they, they had all these options as to what they wanted to follow individually and then societally as as well, I suppose. Uh, uh, what were you leading up to? Is I'm just trying to l- right build on what you said that they were uh, there were other voices. Yeah, Jeremiah was right, uh, and and so I guess it would be um, well. I guess you get into though if Jeremiah is. I, I guess the rub for me is though the. Um, the political, the you know, give in, go ahead, do whatever Babylon tells you to do, do that, because um, that is steering away from the Torah. That's steering away from you know, God told me, and He also gave His word to all of you to do this and to not do this, and this is clear, um, and that is moving into territory that is extra biblical. <laughs> I mean, extra-torical, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it is, yeah. 
Rhetorical? Yeah, okay, it's all right. rhetorical. Um, but it is beyond. It doesn't seem as if that is Jeremiah's fear. He moved outside of the bounds of what his, what I think safe <laughs> message, I guess, would be. Safe in that it's backed up by, uh, and, and, and that is, I guess, the, the life of, of, of profit. Of well, that the, was the role of the right. prophet. Yes, and they again, were a major and, player. And that would be a very difficult. I, I mean, I can see. Whereas, whereas, really now, and we really we have the Holy Spirit in our in our lives. And I guess is that is that sort of the role that the prophets were being asked to play in society was that kind of nudge, that sort of the shy shy person of the Trinity. Um, no, I don't think. I, I've never heard that, and I, 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 that's the first time I've considered them as, uh, I, I don't think that they, the, the role of the prophet was there was a unique calling, and then they obeyed that calling, and they they preached according to uh, the guidance of the Torah, as you said, God's laws, God's for them, and God would reveal things to them, and they were to speak out what God, just like we read from the opening chapter of Jeremiah, you say what I tell you to say. You, you are going to go where I tell you to go. And they did that courageously, and whether it was popular or unpopular, whether people listened to it, as with, with Isaiah. He and said, Jeremiah, people aren't going to listen to you, but I want you to go ahead and preach this anyway. And what would have, so not a priest. Jeremiah is not a priest. No. What would have been the difference between the role of the priest and the prophet? The priest had a role in the temple and the sacrifices, mm-hmm. and, and that was the priestly role. Mm-hmm. The prophet was one who spoke who spoke forth the oracles of God. God, he was with, he knew the Torah, he spoke from God's word, and he addressed, he was called of God to address the preach to the people, and God would empower his words and his actions. Ezekiel, for example, over in Babylon, was preaching the same message. By the way, and and something we need to see here is that 586 B.C., when the temple was destroyed and uh, Nebuchadnezzar's troops descended uh, on it came after a period of a siege over Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and then the city was destroyed and, and, and people were killed and so on and so on, uh, great slaughter. But it didn't just all come down in 586. It, the the first invasion of 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 Israel took place in 506. Uh, I, I'm sorry, 605, 605 BC. That was the first time. And that's when Daniel, Ezekiel, that's when they were taken into exile in 605. So that's 20 years earlier. And then in 597, there was a second uh, invasion of Israel, and more people were taken into exile. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't just all of a sudden he said they're going to show up. This was an imminent reality. They knew the troops of Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm of Babylon had already been there. They knew they were there. They knew they were powerful. And and in, it's in that context that Jeremiah is saying, you know, we need to honor our, our treaty. He's, he's conquered this land, be yield. Uh, evidently, Jeremiah knew they would be restored to the land. Mm-hmm. And he was telling the people, just settle down, just settle, just stay. We're going to be restored. He even said he talks about restoration. You're going to be restored, but they wouldn't follow his counsel. Uh, and so, if, does that give you a little context to the idea that he's saying, "Don't rebel. Don't just don't. We don't need a slaughter. We don't need everybody. We need to." Right. But I don't, I don't know that I would fault. 
the people for not going, not taking his advice, I guess. And my, and my just in terms of... And, well, uh, even with hindsight, you wouldn't fault them? You wouldn't say, you know, they'd have been a lot better off if they'd done what right. Jeremiah told but them But you to. just, you know... Well, I'm telling you, look at hindsight. Would you now, if you're knowing all of this and you were transported like a... Uh, what's the na- okay. what's the name of the thing you like to watch? Uh, Adventures in Odyssey. Adventures in Odyssey. <laughs> okay, Stacy gets transported back yeah. to there. Uh, knowing what we know now, you wouldn't say to them, "Look, y'all, you need to follow what Jeremiah is saying." Oh, you're going to have millions of you been slaughtered like you've never seen before. It's going to be incredibly. Uh, well, you wouldn't. God, I mean, you wouldn't tell them that with God's, hindsight. That's God's business, though. I. I, uh, I know, but, but I God would... told Jeremiah to tell them. Mm-hmm. That God can soften hearts and God can move and God can. Wow. Okay. Well, what do you think, folks? Give me a call. I, I, uh, I don't have quite I mean, as I much understanding. A, yes, for... I might have told them that, but it wouldn't be my responsibility in terms of the people. They definitely would have been responding. better off with hindsight that we have. They certainly would have been better off if they had listened to the prophets, to Isaiah, to Jeremiah, if they repented repented. and obeyed, did what he said to do about Mm. Nebuchadnezzar and about Babylon. They definitely would have been better off. They wouldn't have been slaughtered. (laughs) Well, would they have... Have you... Well, never mind. Uh, You have to read Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, okay. And saw what happened. Mm -hmm. They killed... He put... One of their own Jewish leaders over the Jewish, he gave them relative freedom, gave them one of their own to be the governor of it, and they and they assassinated him. And that what finally brought down mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar on them. So, um, anyway, folks, you can give me a call. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. And uh, we're talking about prophets and warnings and teachings and uh, and revival the potential and the possibility of revival and renewal and restoration uh, and yet at the same time is that uh, it, it, what what brings it what brings what brought about some of those times of revival in American history in American experience uh, many times it was times of brokenness and great difficulty and risk and danger. Uh, after over 600,000 Americans had been killed in a civil war, it brought the brokenness and the, and the repentance that was needed uh, to bring about a, a sense of revival after the uh, civil war, the civil war awakening. So what about these times in which we live? We haven't seen a broad, general moving of God's spirit uh, of the uh, among the people of God, I'm not talking necessarily about a conversion, mass conversions everywhere. That's always a part of revival. It's when God's people get their lives straight and start living the gospel as well as preaching the gospel. That seems to have a great part in the idea of, uh, of releasing uh, the, the dynamic of revival in the culture, in the society. Um, but that also means there's, there's, there's repentance. There's people who are longing for a solution, for God's solution. And they want, they want to hear from God and experience God uh, in our families, in our communities, in our nation. So uh, all of that, what can help bring that? Is that, is that something that, that anyone has thought about? Has anyone thought about it, wondered about it, prayed for it? What is lacking? What is it that we 
uh, that could happen. There are a number right now of, of movements uh, calling God's people to prayer. Um, I told you about one several weeks ago uh, uh, that you can go to online. It talks about return, uh, returning to God. And uh, there, there are some of our national leaders, or different uh, leaders. I mean, I'm not saying anyone universally, but there are a number of people nationally known and re- respected uh, who are calling uh, God's people to repent, to pray, to seek revival. Um, we have the scripture that's being quoted to us all the time. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Uh, we, that's quoted to us quite often. What does it mean? Does it have any significance? Does it have any? Does it offer any advice as to how we're to live and how what we're to do, what we're to uh, what we're to be um, what we're to be guiding our families and our uh, our communities to do during even this time of the coronavirus and so on? What what where is God in all of this? Maybe you have a thought on that. 210-340-9585. We have the book, that old book. It's been faithful, uh, a faithful guide uh, through centuries and centuries as it is a continuing uh, revelation of the God of the Bible, the true and living God, and His ways. Uh, this book has been proven, I think, by history that when we obey His Word and look to His Word and trust Him and obey Him, it seems to bring about uh, uh, blessing and and uh, peace and uh, solutions. Uh, it doesn't mean that we have trouble-free uh, a heavenly existence, but it, it gives us guidance and, and brings about stability uh, in our own hearts and lives and families and communities and nations. So uh, the old book here, trying to see if... Maybe we can go back to the book and see if it has some principles for us. What would you say? Uh, what is lacking today? We seem to be living, in some ways, the same kind of experience that the uh, prophets uh, had to deal with. Maybe you could give us a thought on it. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to sound off, 210-340-9585. What is the role of God's people. What is the God, what is the role of preachers? What is the role of pastors? What is the role of of men and women, uh, just normal walk a day John and Mary Christians in today's world? How then should we live and influence our own culture and society in a representative republic? <laughs> uh, I would say we need to vote. I'd say we need to pray, and we need to vote for people who support the kind of issues that that we see in the scriptures, right? I mean, what would you say, Stacey? You're, mm-hmm. Is that it? I'd say, uh, first, I mean, I would say wherever you are, be the church. I mean, love your neighbors, you love yourself, the golden rule. I'd say um, care for the orphan, the widow, um, love mercy, <laughs> do justice. Um yeah, I would say, and then in your own heart with whatever is, you know, we know our hearts and we know, I mean, for me, I know, I know the things I struggle with and it's every day, a, a, you know, call to repent of, uh, if I'm going 
you know, down the road of pride or anger. Um, well, see, and it seems like to me a false teacher could take every word you just said and justify any any social policy that they wanted to based on it. Oh, but I'm loving. I love my neighbor. I, uh, you know, it's it's a good thing. Oh, I'm just being so nice to these these girls that are having children and. You know, killing that baby is the solution. That's the right thing to do to show love to that young lady or or, or other issues as well. But that's one of the more striking because it involves the taking of an actual human life. But there there are ways that people can get away with saying, oh, that is the best thing. That is a good, good policy thing for me. I would, you know, not do that. And for anybody that I would meet or in in that situation, I would love and encourage them and a lot of um, very disruptive to, uh, his bridge builders or the pregnancy care center. A lot of a lot of a lot of what we would I, I would think of as wrong or even sinful policies. Uh, people, Nancy Pelosi, others that they talk. Oh, I'm a praying Catholic. I, you know, and, and the fact that they are, they're praying and they would couch all of their. They would couch all of their policies in in some kind of a religious rhetoric or religious kind of motivations and oh the, everything and so we're, it's not so. I don't think that they would crystal I mean, clear. Yeah, they're very clearly not. I mean, removed under God from their uh, pledge of allegiance at the convention. I mean, in terms of, I don't think they particularly would align with scripture. I mean. Even in word. But they would say they do. No, they, I don't think that they would. <laughs> mm, well, that's, that's, uh, I've, I've heard and read writings where. Which in a lot and of ways. I think we have to be aware of times, false. Like these, you were aware of false teachers. And a lot of times in these days, I mean, I, the, the blessing is that there is a more polarization. I mean, it's, in, in a way it's harder because. You know, I think that we want to see unity and we want to see a coming together. But at the same time, at least the uh, there is not quite a, the falseness is going away. It's more polarized where it should be. We'll continue through the book of Jeremiah this coming week, folks. See you next weekend. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.